as someone who works full-time with the commute and has a family to take care of, you don't have time or energy to devote hours in the kitchen trying to whip up dinner for the family. That's exactly why I created my ultimate kitchen guide for quick and easy meals. In this guide, you'll find a list of foods that you should have on hand in your kitchen on a regular basis, along with tips on how to put things together on your plate to create a balanced anti-inflammatory meal. Imagine a world where you can come home and whip up a healthy meal in like 20 to 30 minutes and still have time to kick your feet up on the couch and catch up on your shows before bed. Yes, it's not a dream. It's your new reality. All you have to do is head to www.betterwithcarbo.com forward slash guide and grab your free copy today. That's betterwithcarbo.com forward slash guide. Get ready for healthier meals with less kitchen stress. If you know me, you know I always advocate for being conscious about your stress tank because there is so much credible research out there to support the relationship between stress and chronic inflammation. And if you've been around for a while, you've also probably heard me say that I 100% believe that stress is what caused my initial MS flare-up because I was diagnosed during the most stressful time in my life. I'm Chrissy Carbo, registered dietitian and host of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Here we cut through the confusion and complexity of inflammatory health to deliver straightforward, bite-sized strategies and information you can easily apply to your life. Not too long ago, I was lost in a sea of information, overwhelmed by the challenges of inflammation. But through years of trial, education, and self-discovery, I learned to break free from the chaos of fad diets and cultivate a practical anti-inflammatory lifestyle that not only helped me stabilize my own diagnosis, but thrive with it. Whether you're an autoimmune warrior or simply seeking a healthier, uncomplicated life, you found your tribe. Join me as we explore realistic strategies that can make a profound difference in your life. So if you're ready to embrace a simpler, healthier way of living, you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in, learn, and grow together. Welcome to the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Inflamed in the Brain podcast. I'm Chrissy, your host, and I hope you're feeling well today. I don't know about you, but I feel a little relieved that the holidays are over. Although this was my first holiday as a new mom and I wanted to experience all of the holiday bliss and create core memories with my babe, it was probably the worst holiday and really stressful time for me. (laughs) On top of the usual stress of what to get people, how much money to spend, dealing with traffic and crowds, It was really stressful because we had a lot of family and friends that also wanted to see and spend time with Arthur during the holidays. And I always stress about traveling with the little baby and worrying about his naps and germs. And Arthur did end up getting sick. And it was the first time that he's ever been sick. So it was a really scary and sad experience. And then my husband and I got sick. And needless to say, it was a really stressful holiday season. If you know me, you know I always advocate for being conscious about your stress tank because there is so much credible research out there to support the relationship between stress and chronic inflammation. And if you've been around for a while, you've also probably heard me say that I 100% believe that stress is what caused my initial MS flare-up because I was diagnosed during the most stressful time in my life. There are so many different ways that stress contributes to inflammation. 
Stress releases adrenaline and norepinephrine to help us deal with our stressors, but these neurotransmitters also increase our body's production of inflammatory cytokines, which is normal. But if the stress goes on for too long, like if you're coping with an illness or dealing with a stressful job or relationship issues or even just illness in the family, these inflammatory cytokines can stay around for a little bit longer than they should. And that's when we run into health problems. In the past, we've also talked about how stress increases the production of cortisol, which we all know as a stress hormone. Cortisol breaks down our body's glucose stores to give us energy and fuel needed to deal with the stress. But again, if we experience stress for a long period of time, we run into inflammatory issues caused by elevated glucose levels in our blood. Another unique way that elevated cortisol levels contribute to inflammation in the body is by your body's natural ability to build a tolerance to cortisol. And you might think this is a good thing, right? Like building a tolerance to alcohol means that you can drink more. So building a tolerance to cortisol might mean that you can deal with more stress. But this is actually the opposite. Building a tolerance to cortisol means that your HPA axis is being overstimulated. The HPA axis stands for hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. It's a really complex communication network between three major glands in your body. You guessed it. The hypothalamus, pituitary gland, and adrenals. The hypothalamus in your brain is like your body's control center. When it detects stressors, whether physical or psychological, it releases a hormone that's called corticotropin-releasing hormone, or CRH into the bloodstream. CRH signals the pituitary gland, another gland in the brain, to produce and release adrenocorticotropin hormone, ACTH. ACTH then travels through the bloodstream to the adrenal glands, which sit on top of the kidneys, and these glands respond by producing stress hormones, primarily cortisol. What's a little ironic here is that cortisol itself is an anti-inflammatory and beneficial for us. Cortisol controls our sleep-wake cycle, helps us wake up in the morning and stay awake. And like I mentioned before, cortisol also breaks down our glucose stores to help us have enough energy to deal with stressors. And in doing so, it will suppress the immune system. Remember, chronic inflammation is in part related to an overactive immune system. So suppressing it is a good thing. If there's a constant stressor, like again, working a high stress job or going through a divorce, family issues, money troubles, whatever, that constantly triggers the HPA axis, which triggers constant release of cortisol, your body will build a tolerance. And then when your body builds a tolerance, cortisol can't do its job properly, which results in uncontrolled inflammatory responses to physical pathogens, unrecognized proteins, and psychological stressors. This kind of vulnerability in the body leads to inflammation and creates oxidative stress, free radical damage, cell death, aging, and systemic tissue degradation. Signs and symptoms of this kind of stress-induced cortisol dysfunction include things like fatigue, depression, pain, memory issues, amongst other things. Inflammation triggered by this pathway is oftentimes the final straw in a multifactorial chain of events that contribute to hundreds of idiopathic inflammatory autoimmune diseases like MS. Idiopathic meaning that no one really knows what caused or triggered the diagnosis. When I was diagnosed with MS, I was told by my doctor that no one really knows the specific causes of MS or where it comes from. 
What's more is that there's research to support that CRH, remember that hormone we talked about that is triggered by stress and it signals the adrenals to release cortisol? Well, that hormone also causes the tight junctions that create the lining of your gut to loosen, which creates leaky gut and contributes to inflammation. So me being aware of all of the inflammation that comes from stress and given the holiday season from hell that I experienced, I'm starting my 2024 paying a little extra attention to foods that can help heal and manage stress. There are lots of nutrients that mediate and help offset the effects of stress in our bodies. And when we take enough of those nutrients in, we're making sure that our bodies have what they need in order to heal and handle stress. So the very first nutrient on our list today is L-theanine. L-theanine is an amino acid predominantly found in tea leaves, and it's been shown to promote feelings of calm and relaxation without feeling sleepy or drowsy. This calming effect can be attributed to L-theanine's ability to cross the blood-brain barrier and influence neurotransmitter balance. Specifically, it enhances the production of GABA, which is a neurotransmitter that blocks excitability in the nervous system so that you can feel calm. It also enhances the production of serotonin, which is another transmitter that helps you improve your mood and reduce anxiety and dopamine, which helps you feel good, also a neurotransmitter. Teas typically high in this amino acid would be matcha, green tea, black tea, and oolong tea. I usually have a cup of holy basil midday and before sleep, so I'm going to revamp my tea intake and maybe include a little green tea in my day just to reap the benefits of L-theanine. It's important to note that these teas that are high in L-theanine also have caffeine. So if you're looking to switch up your teas to reap the benefits of theanine, be sure to have your cup a little earlier in the day rather than later so that you're not interfering with your sleep. Moving on to tyrosine, tyrosine is another amino acid essential for neurotransmitter production. Specifically, it acts as a precursor for dopamine and norepinephrine, which we just talked about. We need these neurotransmitters in order to regulate our mood and to foster a sense of calm and to also manage our body's response to stress. By precursor, that just means that we need tyrosine in order to make these neurotransmitters. And while tyrosine itself is not categorized as an essential amino acid because our bodies can make it from another amino acid called phenylalanine, its significance is a bit more amplified during periods of high stress. Under stress, our bodies increase the production of dopamine and norepinephrine, which calls for more tyrosine in order to meet the accelerated need for these neurotransmitters. So even though tyrosine isn't strictly essential under normal circumstances, it becomes really important to make sure you're getting enough tyrosine to offset the elevated stress levels. By eating a few more foods high in tyrosine like turkey, chicken breasts, almonds, avocados, and bananas, we can support the intricate neural pathways that contribute to rebalancing our emotions from stress triggers. Next up, magnesium. Magnesium is a mineral that plays a pivotal role in so many bodily functions, but it's really important when it comes to stress management at a cellular level. Not only is magnesium involved in regulating the HPA axis that we talked about earlier, but high stress can deplete our levels of magnesium. 
making sure you have optimal magnesium levels by eating things like kale, Swiss chard, pumpkin seeds, black beans, and cacao, you're supporting your body's natural response to stress and increasing its resilience to stressors. The magnesium content of cacao really stuck with me when I was learning a little bit more about magnesium. So what I like to do is I use cacao to make hot chocolate or I add it to my shakes and smoothies in order to make them chocolatey. Or if I'm making like a banana bread or something like that, I might just make the bread itself chocolate by adding a little cacao in there, which helps me get more magnesium in. Okay, moving on to probiotics. But before we get into that, I want to briefly explain the connection between your gut and your brain. Your gut and your brain work together like Batman and Robin when it comes to managing stress. More scientifically, they form this bi-directional line of communication called the gut-brain axis. Your brain is where your stress and emotional responses are managed, and your gut has microorganisms that produce chemicals and messengers that can help calm things down and ramp things up if needed. If you ever had like a presentation at work or a test that you felt really nervous about that made you feel like you had to poop, that's your gut and your brain talking to each other, preparing you to tackle the stress. Research shows that when stress becomes chronic, this helps the bad bacteria in your gut thrive, which can lead to leaky gut and inflammation. Incorporating probiotic-rich foods like kefir, sauerkraut, miso, and kimchi support a harmonious gut environment that not only lowers inflammation, but also improves your mood to help you recover from stress. Now let's shift our focus to B vitamins. Really important B vitamins here include B6, B9, and B12. These are particularly important for production of neurotransmitters responsible for stress regulation and maintenance of our myelin sheath. Myelin is protective coating around your nerve endings, and if they're in good shape, then your nerves are working as they should. And we want our nerves to work properly because we want our body to be able to signal properly. This little bit of information is particularly special to me too, as someone dealing with MS where my immune system is specifically attacking myelin, it's really important that I get enough of these B vitamins. And by eating organ meats, eggs, salmon, dark leafy greens, chicken, you're actively supporting your nervous system's ability to adapt to stress. Organ meats like heart and liver are particularly high in B vitamins. And although they don't seem like the most appetizing thing to eat, one thing that you could do if you are looking to incorporate more B vitamins from food, you can hide these foods in other meats that you eat. For example, you can easily hide beef liver and heart in ground beef when you're making meatloaf or burgers. Now moving on to vitamin C. Other than vitamin C's well-known role in supporting your immune system, vitamin C acts as a cofactor for the synthesis of neurotransmitters like norepinephrine, which again helps you navigate through stressful events. Think of cofactors as a sidekick to enzymes. So eating foods high in vitamin C like citrus fruits, strawberries, bell peppers, and broccoli, these foods are going to help the enzymes that make neurotransmitters get their job done and improve your mood. Seventh on our list is choline. Choline is a nutrient critical for brain health and neurotransmitter function. Choline is the precursor to acetylcholine, which is another neurotransmitter involved in mood regulation and stress response but it's also helpful in maintaining the proper structure and integrity of the cell walls so that our neurotransmitters can function properly. 
including choline-rich foods in your diet like egg yolks, liver, broccoli, and Brussels sprouts, will support the intricate balance of neurotransmitters and foster a resilient cognitive and emotional state. Now let's talk about omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids are widely known for their anti-inflammatory effects, which aren't directly related to reducing stress, but they can certainly help you recover from stress. As I mentioned earlier, when we stress, we ramp up production of inflammatory cytokines, which are proteins. And research shows that omega-3 fatty acids help reduce the production of inflammatory cytokines. So if we're eating fish like salmon and other foods like walnuts, chia seeds, flax seeds, which offer a really rich source of these beneficial fats, we can mitigate the physiological impact of stress and increase our overall resilience to stress. And then finally, we have vitamin D. We have vitamin D receptors all throughout our brain. And when you take in adequate amounts of vitamin D, you're helping your brain become more efficient at managing stressful events and de-stressing. So fatty fish, beef liver, and egg yolks are great sources of vitamin D along with some fortified foods. But one other thing that you can do here that's not totally related to food or not related to food at all, you want to make sure that you're getting enough sun exposure to help you maintain adequate levels of vitamin D. So those are nine nutrients to help you manage stress. Along with eating enough foods to help you manage stress and recover, it's also important to practice other stress management techniques like going out for a walk or watching a funny movie, taking a nap, or maybe practicing some breath work. Stress management techniques are different for everyone because lots of different things make lots of different people feel good. So without sounding too cheesy by telling you to meditate and journal and do yoga, just think for a second, what makes you feel good? What makes you feel relief? For some people, that's cleaning something. For some people, that's having sex with yourself or another consenting adult. Uh, for some other people, that's folding laundry. So really, take a second, think about it. What makes you or what gives you that deep breath feeling, like that <sighs> feeling, and add that to your stress management toolbox? Stress itself is unavoidable. You will never not have any stress to deal with. I remind myself of that fact all of the time, especially as a mom of an infant who I want to protect from all bad things in this world, including germs. But I know that's not possible. Sickness is inevitable, especially for someone learning to move on their own and touching my floor all day, every day. But I'm doing my best over here. I tell myself to take at least 30 minutes a day to practice stress management. But I'll be honest, it's, I'm not 100% perfect with that, um, giving myself a little grace. But I know stress management is important, especially for someone managing inflammation. So even if it's not 30 minutes, even if it's 10 minutes a day, I'm still grateful for that. And another thing that I want to encourage you before I leave you today, I want to encourage you to try to get these nutrients from food first. I always encourage food first, not because I'm a dietitian, but because food is cheaper than a supplement or at least a good quality supplement. And foods also have other nutrients in them that help you absorb that one particular nutrient that you're after a lot better. In some cases, though, supplementation may be what you have to do or what you really want to do. And I respect that. 
I do have another podcast episode that I'll link to in the show notes where I talked about five things that you should keep in mind if you are looking to initiate supplements. So give that a listen if you are looking to start a new supplement. And with that being said, if you found this episode helpful, please leave a review and share it with someone else who may also find this helpful. Reach out to me and let me know which foods you're looking to add to your diet or which foods are going to be a little bit more challenging for you to add. You can find me at Better With Carbo on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss out on any of our anti-inflammatory combos. Until next time, same time, same place. Bye.